Saying no is not always an easy thing. Often it's not popular. But from the moment that we're born until our very last day, no is an extremely important companion. Learning to say no to others who impose their will upon us. Yes, but this is the easy part. More challenging is learning to say no to some aspect in ourselves that may stop us. In other words, rather than using the power of no to improve others, it's much wiser to use the power of no with oneself. The sound of no can vary from a cannon like thunder to a very thin whisper or no words at all something internal. It's an interesting concept that when we meet another person or when we look in the mirror, the no is what defines us because it speaks about our choices and what we are willing to sacrifice in order to achieve success on the path of improvement and development that we chose to put our feet upon. story of saying no. I was raised in a family that prized physical fitness and athletic pursuits above everything else. And the gift of this inheritance was that exercising was a natural way of life. And we were encouraged to stretch our physical abilities, whether in running, tennis, basketball, bicycling, or even ping pong, or jump roping, or bouncing a ball. So if I was out in the driveway doing my jump rope, I would uh, be counting. Okay, I got to 100. And they'd be like, good girl. Now, at the same time, the shadow... Okay, so we were always encouraged to do our very best. And that's a wonderful thing to learn, to instill in children. But there was a shadow side to all of that, which is that there was criticism of people who were overweight. And I also absorbed that attitude. Then I went away to college. And there I put on the freshman 10, which was 10 pounds of extra weight. It's pretty normal for that to happen when you're away at a place where there's all you can eat in the cafeteria. And uh, this was much to the amusement of my family. And then when I came back home on a break, I was on a city bus and I found myself looking across 
the aisle of the bus at the people sitting opposite me. I was on one bench and they were on the other. And I noticed how fat they were. And I found myself thinking lesser of them for that. Just looking at them and thinking, wow, they're really overweight. And at that moment, there was this cascade of instantaneous new thoughts. One, why should I feel this way? Who am I to judge? I had put on the freshman 10, really probably 15. I had noticed also it wasn't easy, you know, to shed pounds after putting them on. And I wondered what it was like for the people on the opposite bench. How did they feel? Was it hard for them? Two, I had no basis for literally sitting in judgment on those people. Absolutely none. Three, I did not want to sit in judgment. Four, I could choose not to. Five, and I did so. And that was one of the times that I said no to an acquired thought pattern. Amazing, amazing, perfect. I, I, I'm, I have two stories to do with weight <laughs> and no. <laughs> So we have two children. Each one takes after one of the, their parents, weight-wise. My daughter has her father's wonderful skill of eating everything she wants and being thin and longish and beautiful. And my son has my genes. So... Uh, he is now almost turning 12 and suddenly he started to be very disturbed about how he looks. And not only that, you know, the whole, uh, naturally this whole year was just one big mess with uh, COVID and learning, you know, on, off and mainly from the screens. Um, so he was really bothered he couldn't sit throughout the lessons uh, even you know in from home and he had this whole issue of not feeling very free with his body and all sorts of things and this has been going for a while but now it really hit the note where he was really 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 disturbed by it so we sat down together and we started to think of how to plan better meals, what he can eat, what he cannot eat, more exercise. And we tried it already several times in the past. Always it came from him and like offered him our knowledge of uh, nutrition and uh, gym, but um, it never really caught. And this time, because really bothered him so much um he really started to watch what he eats and he really 
started to be very, very mindful about things. And of course, with all our support. And one of the things that we did is having a good timings for the meals and good nutrition in each meal. And amongst other things, we told him that it would be actually best to stop gluten and sugar. And to our amazement, the first three days were naturally difficult. <laughs> But after three days, he really started to build himself against the challenge in the most positive way. So many things started to happen by him saying no, you know, to the brain wanting to eat all sorts of things. One of the things is that he actually realized that he's starting to build stamina, stamina for saying no, you know, to food and stamina for training, yes, positive stamina for, for taking the time and training and Um, he, he really, at first we thought, oh, we know if someone will eat gluten, they'll need to do it in secret because he'll be so disturbed. And he just stands there and says, no, it's fine, you know. And on the contrary, he gives his sister everything that he can't eat because <laughs> she can and he's really fine with it. But the interesting thing is that during these weeks, not only his body really started to transform just in a few weeks. He got so bright and more focused. And suddenly his teachers say, What, what's going on? He sits now all through the school and he learns and he's much more attentive. And we're like, oh, it's gluten. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just weight, gluten and sugar. <laughs> It really caused the whole body to react. And then he started to be happier, really happy, you know. And the happiness was from realizing he is responsible for his own life and he can make decisions and... at first when we started I told him you know but you need to start it from the standpoint that you love your body and he said no way <laughs> I, I don't I can't <laughs> and now he came and said you know I really love my body and I said I really understand because look what a great relationship you have with your body and it wasn't about losing weight because it's not it was more understanding that he can be in a very positive relationship with his body and then creativity kicked in and now he has his whole factory of <laughs> creating uh, these bottles that you see behind me seven colors of the spectrum which he's going to a uh, <laughs> market worldwide and <laughs> the the truth is that the The saying no, his ability to say no to the, you know, the temptation and the, his own habits and things that he sees and things people eat around him really developed a, a beautiful 
a relationship with yes, with seeing how many good things are are happening to him and around him. And to our amazement, another thing that happened is that just in two weeks, he grew so much, like by two centimeters in two weeks, which is another good question and wonder. What happens when we grow and expand from within? And how does it affect our physical growth? And yes, we can say that the lack of gluten um, changed his chemicals and this allowed the growth. But I think that it also must be his happiness. I've been going through something similar. Chemicals. Un underestimating the importance of chemicals. I stopped smoking cigarettes, which caused a chemical imbalance <laughs> because actually nicotine soothes an underlying illness that I have. So I had a flare up because I was self-medicating with the nicotine. So I went to the doctor and she said, I'm so happy that you've stopped smoking. I know that you don't smoke cigarettes because you're having a flare up. So we're going to test your blood and we're going to see what's happening inside of you chemically. And we're going to create balance in there. So, you know, now all of a sudden I'm interested in iron and potassium and not eating sugar and um, not eating gluten as well and making sure that my food is energy rich. I've become a kind of chemist and I feel a different kind of power. And I feel the next 20 years of my life in a way, but it's all very nascent. But I too feel like I'm growing up and it started with saying no to something. Um, it's hard to describe this growing up feeling, but when I went to the doctor's office, it can be kind of like, um, a factory. They're very efficient and wonderful. I respect them very much. But 
when the new me, the grown-up me, came to the doctor's office, everyone was calling me Ms. Richardson and slowing down and asking my advice about things. <laughs> it takes some getting used to, this new grown-up person <laughs> who doctors ask advice about things and um, nurses slow down to ask advice about things. For example, one of the nurses feels to move to Brooklyn and work in the Hasidic community where ulcerative colitis is very prevalent and she's Chinese so she's already preempting the fact that she might not be well loved or well received but she's impelled to give this kind of compassion what do I think about this? I think it's amazing I think you're impelled to give service and it's impersonal that's why you're so bright <laughs> and well this leads me to a story of no yeah uh, as a young man i used to go to parties and uh, there's one party being held by a friend claire she opened a home to uh, a night of entertainment, liquid refreshments, and lots of dancing to the latest records and songs. So I was very glad to be there, and uh, I knew the people that were going there. I was, so I was, I was looking forward to enjoying everybody's company and uh, dancing as well, dancing to the music. So we arrived. It was very crowded. She's kind of had only got a, a large front room and it was very crowded and um well the the alcohol started flowing and uh, the music got louder and it you never know quite what people are like but when you when they have alcohol you see a different side of them and a lot of that was going on that night uh, i don't drink so uh, if i do drink i'm out after the first glass of brandy. So uh, I was pretty compostmentous and sober during the night, but I was actually witnessing quite a lot of wild behavior, things that I wouldn't expect from people. Um, I think there's a lot of release or pressure in people going on. And this was an opportunity for that release. So anyway, I began not to enjoy myself and uh, there's lots of havoc going on and chaos and people knocking over tables. And I think, I've had enough of this party, I'm going home. Um, so I started walking to my car and I thought, wait there, who's going to clean up after this party at the end of the night? Claire's uh, a single lady. And um, there's already a hell of a lot of mess and empty bottles and spilled alcohol and, and beer mugs in the sink and everything. Who's got who's to clear up? And I was feeling um, not good in myself about the party, actually. Uh, I didn't, it wasn't how I expected. It didn't fit my expectations and anticipation of what was going to go on. So um, 
I was feeling a bit, um, can I say the word, shitty from the process. But And I thought, well, Claire's even going to have a more awful experience from um, the night because she's got the clearing up to do. So I actually said, no, I won't go back. I, I'm going to go back, wait till the end of the party and help clear up, which is what I did. And it did go on for quite some time. And actually, the raucous calmed down. And the nice the gentle music came on. And uh, that's when I went into action. I started clearing up, washing up, tidying up, everything up. And uh, I, I said goodbye to Claire. And I said goodbye to one or two other people that were around. And the difference in myself in going back to my car was totally black and white. It was different from being black and white. I felt so bright in myself, so clean about what I've done. And, uh, and all from saying no to leaving a mess for someone else to clean up and taking uh, responsibility for my actions.